I'm wrapping up the series today called Trapped. And I want to talk to you today about worry wart. Worry wart. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 12 and verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, and encourage if you have your Bible, you version, keep your Bibles open to Luke 12. Verse 22, we're going to be there for the duration of our time. He said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. One of the things that I love about the Bible is that it hits us right where we live. And, and, and you and I have a tendency to worry. We, we can even get trapped in worry. We can find ourselves worrying about our health or worrying about our kids or worrying about our future. And, and, and literally the number one thing that we worry about is money-related issues. And, and Jesus knew this. He knew this. So, so this is what Jesus said thousands of years ago. Jesus says this, what you will eat. In other words, don't worry about your life or what you will eat, resources, finances, dealing with the financial arena, or about your body, what you will wear, clothes, resources, finances. We worry a lot about stuff, finances, resources. Some of you are worried about the electric bill you just had this summer. You're, you're worried about the gas bills coming up in the winter. You're maybe worried about the rent or worried about the house payment. Some of you are worried about the car or car problems you're having. Some of you worried about gas prices. Some, some are worried about maybe you're going to lose your job in 2013 because there are layoffs happening at the job and you're worried. Some of you are worried about Thanksgiving and you're worried about Thanksgiving food and you're worried about if you're going to have enough turkeys for everybody showing up at your house, you're worried, maybe I can't have turkey, but we're going to have a ham. And some of you are thinking, I wish I could afford a turkey. I wish I could afford a ham, but we're going to eat spam. Come on, somebody. Anybody know about spam? Come on, fry you up some spam. Come on, somebody. But I, look, you, we worry, but we worry. Where we, 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 we worry. Maybe you're worried about the Christmas gifts. Are you going to be able to provide Christmas gifts? Maybe you're worried about, are you going to have a vacation? Can you afford to go on vacation? Maybe you're worried about retirement and will you be able to retire one day? So many of our worries and concern are, are dealing with the financial arena. And the interesting thing is this, Jesus knew this. So he goes on to say in verse 23, life is more than food. I mean, we get so wrapped up and worried about food and resources and, and the body more than clothes. And we get so wrapped up in, in clothes and resources and finances. And Jesus' life is more than food and clothes. Verse 24, consider the ravens. Consider the birds. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Jesus says, don't worry because worry doesn't accomplish anything. He says, listen, you can't even add a single hour to your life by worrying. It's useless. Friends, worry never makes anything better. It only makes things worse. You know what happens when you worry? Here's what worry is like it's like a rocking chair and nothing like a good old rocking chair to relax in and, you know wish I had a little lemonade right now and rock and you know rocking chairs are great you know for about an hour or so but 
I don't want to be in a rocking chair for three or four hours. This one creaks a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But you do this for three or four hours, your legs get tired. I'd rather have a recliner and watch the Dallas Cowboys lose to the Cleveland Browns today. <laughs> but okay, I'm going to get off the Cowboys. I got in the flesh real quick, but let me get back in the spirit. But you know, rocking, you know, anything interesting thing about rocking chairs is you don't go anywhere. There's a lot of movement, but you don't go anywhere. Just back and forth, back and forth. And that's what happens when you worry. Worry, it isn't a compliment. Matter of fact, Jesus says you can't add a single hour to your life when you worry. You just go back and forth. And you got a lot of movement, but you're not going anywhere. And matter of fact, it doesn't help anything. It only makes things worse. Statistics say that worry causes people to, 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 to panic attacks and, and takes hours off your life, causes you to get grayer quicker, it causes you health problems, anxiety problems. So many things happen when we worry that aren't negative. We go nowhere. Just bad. And forth. You know what worry does? Worry, it does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it does empty today of its strength. Back and forth. Worried about the bills, worried about the car, worried about the Christmas presents, worried about the rent that's due. Worry. You know something else about worry? Worry does not solve tomorrow's problems, but it does rob you of today's peace. Worry. Back and forth. Back and forth. You're not solving any problems. You know my favorite quote about worry? My favorite quote is this. Worry is a down payment on a problem that, will may, not, may, that may never happen. It's a down payment. And, you know, it would be foolish for you to put a down payment on a car that you had 1% a chance of getting. That's foolish. It would be foolish to put a down payment on a house that you have, that's a 99% chance you'll never own that house. That would be foolishness. And yet we put a down payment on so many problems that are likely never to happen. It's a down payment on a problem. Back and forth. Back and forth, and so many people are trapped in worry, and it's getting them nowhere. And the solution, the remedy, the answer to worry is this. This is what I want to talk to you about today. This one sentence, work, don't worry, because worry don't work. Now, I know that's not good English. My wife has an English degree, and she corrects me after services to let me know my English is not correct, but I don't care. This is my sermon. Work! Don't worry, because worry don't work. And Jesus said, look at the birds. You see, the birds, they don't worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to work. You know what birds do? They work. Cheep, 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 cheep. Cheep, 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 cheep. They fly out in the day. They go find the worms and the berries they eat. They bring back the worms and the berries to their little ones in the nest, and they feed them. They work. They don't worry because worry don't work. And I want to talk to you about four areas just to start working on instead of worrying on. Work, don't worry, because worry don't work. Number one is this, work on a plan. Work on a plan. I want to take you back to the first verse, Luke chapter 12 and verse 22. It says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. And, and I don't want you to get confused and, and read this and start thinking this is Bob Marley Jesus or Bob McFerrin Jesus. Kind of this flippant approach to life. Kind of this who cares approach to life. Because you can read this and you're like, what? Don't worry about my life, what I'm going to eat or 
what I'm going to wear. And, and then Jesus says in verse 20, 24, he says, don't worry, look at the birds. You know, it's kind of like this Bob Marley, you know, Bob McFerrin. Look at the birds. Just look at the birds. You know, you can't leave this guy. Look at the birds. You're like, what? Gee, what do you mean, Jesus? Look at the birds. I got bills due. What do you mean, look at the birds? I'm two months late on my rent. What do you mean, look at the birds? They're about to repossess my car. What are you talking about, look at the birds? I, I'm $20,000 in credit card debt. And you're talking about looking at the birds. I, I don't have money for Christmas presents this year. And you're talking about looking at the birds. How in the world is ornithology, the study of birds, going to help my life? Look at the birds. Look at the birds. And I want you to understand that Jesus isn't giving us some Bob McFerrin, don't worry, be happy approach to life. Now, now, now that song has a very catchy saying of don't worry, be happy, but it has nothing to do with what Jesus is telling us when he says, don't worry about your life. Have you ever really thought about the, the words of that song, don't worry, be happy? They're really interesting words. I want you just to hear some of the words to that song by Bob McFerrin. Here's some of the words. Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry. Be happy. The landlord say your rent is late, and he may, he may have to litigate. Don't worry. Be happy. Ain't got no cash. Ain't got no style, ain't got no girl to make you smile, but don't worry, be happy. Let me tell you, if all three of them things that happen to you at the same time, you're not happy. I read that and I get depressed. What is Bob McFerrin talking about? Listen, if somebody took your bed, listen, you better file a police report. You got problems. You better get you the alarm system on your house. <laughs> you got, you're not happy if somebody took your bed if your rent is late and he's about to litigate. Let me, listen, you better quit spending your money at the mall. You better quit going out to eat and pay your bills. You're not happy if he's about to litigate. I don't know what he's talking about. Don't worry. Be happy. He says, if you don't have no cash, listen, you're not happy. You better get a job, my brother Jay. O-B, because you're not happy if you don't got no cash. Yeah, I love what he says. He says, you, you, you ain't got no style. You ain't got no girl to make you smile. Don't worry. Be happy, my brother. If you ain't got no style, you better freshen up and shave. Get you some brute. Come on, anybody know about some brute? Uh, if you were a brute, don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. I wore brute back when I was in elementary school and junior high. Some of you still wear brute. Go ahead. I'm just saying you better get you some style so you can get you a girl because you're not happy. And, and Bob McFerrin is advocating that when life is horrible, oh, don't worry. Don't do anything. Just survive, survive, flip and approach to life. Who cares? Just be happy. And that is not what Jesus is saying. That's foolishness. Listen, when you're facing trouble in life, you should not be worried, but you should be concerned. And there is a difference. You see, being concerned, concerned is rooted in love and leads to a plan of action. Worry is rooted in fear and leads to the rocking chair experience. Nothing being done. 
worry, 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 and worry. But listen, 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 listen. When you're going through trouble, some of you are going through trouble right now. You've been worrying about your finances. No, you don't need to be worried. You need to be concerned. And concern is rooted in love. Like, for instance, if one of my kids is really sick. The worry won't solve a problem, but you know what I would be? I'd be very concerned, and that concern would lead me to action. It would lead me to pray for my kids. It would lead me to take them to the doctor so I can figure out what's wrong with my kid. Worry, it will just stress me out, cause me to pull my hair out. It will just cause me to go back and forth, but concern is rooted in love and leads to a plan, and the Bible is all about having a plan. See, Bob McFerrin is saying, look at the birds. Look at the birds. No, 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 that's not going to help you. Look at the birds. Unless you understand what Jesus is saying. Concern is, leads to a plan of action. Let me give you a scripture here, Proverbs 21 and verse number 5. The Bible says, good planning and hard work. Come on, everybody shout hard work. I want that to sink in. Good planning and hard work because work don't worry. Because worry don't work. Hard work lead to what? Prosperity. But hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. Good planning and hard work. I want to really quick, get really quick give you a financial plan, a plan that will cause you to quit worrying. Concerned is rooted in love and leads to a plan of action. It's called the 10-10-80 plan. I want your stress level to go down. The first 10 is this. It's the tithe that belongs to God. The first 10% of you earn, give it to God. Everybody shout God first. I want to teach you the God first life. God first. Take the first 10%, return it to God, to the local church where you worship. The second 10% is you second. Everybody shout, you second. second. Come on, let's say it together. Everybody say, God first. first. You second. So out of every $10 you get, the first dollar, give it to God. The second dollar, give it to yourself. Save it. Save it. Save it. Listen to me. You want to live a stressed out life? You want to live a worried life? Don't save. Let me tell you something about life. Here's what I know about all of us. Trouble will happen. The car will break down. You will get in an accident. Somebody's going to get sick. The microwave won't pop popcorn anymore. <laughs> life happens. You break an ankle. Life, life happens. You don't, know, no, you don't know when it happens. You say, Pastor, you're starting to depress me. Listen, somebody's going to die. You have to bury somebody. Life happens. Say, Pastor, you're depressing me. Would you be more positive? Listen, I'm positive that something bad is going to happen to you in the next five years. I'm positive. Go ahead and say amen. You're like. And I'm just simply saying, if you don't have any savings, if you're not putting anything away for a rainy day, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. You've got to save for a rainy day. And then the other 80%, the other person, 80%. You live on the other 80%. That's where you start reducing your debt. Start paying your, you pay your bills. You handle the other 80% in a responsible way. And as you grow in your faith, as your finances get in order with the word of God, you know what you find out you start doing? Like Tiffany and I do this. We don't just tie 10%, but now we give offerings. And we live on another, we give away 10%, another 10%. We give away 15, 20, 25, 30% of our income. And we save, we save. And then we live on 40% or 50% or 60% of our, of our income because the more, closer we get to God, the more generous we want to be. And listen to me, listen to me, 10, 10, 80, start there. You say, Pastor, I don't know how in the world I can do that. We have a class called Financial Peace University starting in January. 
We have another financial class called Crown University, Crown Peace, Crown Ministries that we are starting in January. I want to get you plugged into those classes. Drop by the Welcome Center today, get signed up, get plugged in. We want to help you. Listen, work, don't worry, because worry don't work. Good plans and hard work lead to prosperity. 10, 10, 80. God first, you second, live on the rest. A second principle I want to share with you today, work, don't worry, because worry don't work. The second thing we should work on is work on your faith. Work on your faith. Here's what Jesus goes on to say in Luke chapter 12 and verse 27. He says, consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? And listen to this. O you of little faith. And Jesus is saying if God takes care of the lesser, then surely he will take care of the greater. If God takes care of the birds and he clothes the grass and they aren't nearly as important as you and I, then surely God will take care of his prized creation called humanity. We are the apple of God's eye. I had a little goldfish my kids and I called, they named him Spike. And we got a little goldfish. We used to have Dorothy way back in the day. But we bought Spike within like a year or so ago. We had Spike. And the first goldfish we died, it died. And then we got Spike right after that. And I was determined to keep Spike alive. And the longer Spike lived, the more attached I got to Spike. I confess that some mornings I would get up and I would look at Spike as he swam in his little fishbowl. And I would talk to Spike. We would have conversations. Don't talk about me because you talk to yourself. So I can talk to Spike. So I would talk to our little fish called Spike. And I'd keep Spike alive. And I was very interested in Spike. I wanted Spike to live. He became part of our family. I took care of Spike. I said, don't, don't overfeed Spike. Is it, has Spike eaten today? Is it matter of fact, kids, have you fed? We got to make sure we feed Spike. I really liked Spike. Matter of fact, I liked Spike so much when we would go out of town, we would have friends watch Spike. We had our neighbor watch Spike one time. Another occasion, we had another friend watch Spike. Another occasion, we had another friend watch Spike. It was very important. We would get, I'd say, Tiffany, did you give him a list? Tell him what Spike needs. Spike needs water and clean water. Did you tell him how much food? One, uh, Spike took care of Spike. And one day I woke up and I walked into the kitchen. Spike was dead. But I did my best to keep Spike alive. And listen, if I would do all that for a little orange goldfish, do you know how much more I do for my own kids? Listen, if I will take care of the lesser, surely I will take care of the greater, my own kids. And God says, listen, if I'll take care of the birds and the grass, surely I will take care of you. And if I'm a good father to my kids, listen, I can't compare to my heavenly father. He's the greatest father on planet earth. He's the greatest father in the universe. He loves you and he cares for you. And oh, you of little faith that you doubt your heavenly father and his love and his provision and his faithfulness in your life. And many Christians struggle to trust God. Many Christians struggle to place faith in God. And to follow his word, that God will take care and meet their needs. And the interesting thing is this. 
We have faith in so many other things that we don't understand them. We don't know how they work. At times, they're not even reliable. And yet, we have complete faith in them. Let me give you some examples. You go to the restaurant. Love, love restaurants. Four restaurants. Believe in the restaurant business. And you go order food at the restaurant. Can I tell you, you don't sit around worrying about your food. You don't sit around going, oh, boy, I wonder if they're going to get my food right. I ordered chicken. Will they really be me chicken? I don't know if they're going to chicken. I better go back in the kitchen. Let me go, hey, wait, wait, waiter, can I go back in the kitchen? I don't know if they're going to get my order right. Are you sure they're going to get salad? I wanted ranch. Are you sure it's going to be ranch? I don't know. I don't know. I ordered steak. Is it going to be really steak? Is it going to be medium? I want it medium. I don't want it well done. I better go back. You don't do that. If you do, you're crazy. We'll pray for you. Amen. If you do that. But we just have faith. We have faith they're going to get our order right. We don't go back in the kitchen and check. We have faith they're bringing it out, and it's what we ordered, and we eat it. We have faith. It's, ama- it's, it's amazing. A lot of people today in today's society, they, they get their paycheck direct deposited. Now, they don't know how it works. They, they don't have a clue. They don't know who pushes the button, how it's organized, the system. They don't understand all the technology. As a matter of fact, there are some people, they start paying bills and spending money because they got faith that that got direct deposit. They never checked. Just writing checks. Okay, I got money. How do you know you got money? I got faith. They did what they said they would do. Okay, can I tell you, there are a lot of people that pay their bills online. My, my wife and I, we pay our bills online. Now, I don't know how that works. I don't know who, how they set the system up and who's the programmer and how. I don't know. Matter of fact, a lot of our bills are, are reoccurring. We just, we just pay them every month. It just happens automatically. And there have been times that we've been a month or so without even checking, just by faith. Uh, we, they said it was set up. We set it all up. It's, it's, it's taken care of. And, and thank God, for most of the time, the system worked. But, but, but can I tell you, we trust the system. We don't know, we don't know the people. We, just by faith. We just live by faith. We, I sat down in this chair. This rocking chair is not mine. Somebody brought, I don't know whose rock, rocking chair it is. I just said, hey, I need, need a rocking chair. And they brought a rocking chair for me today. I don't know whose rocking chair it is, but I sat in it by faith. I never wondered if this rocking chair would hold me up. How many of you today got underneath that chair and checked it out before you sat down? Said, Let me see if this chair is going. No. How many of you go to the doctor's office or to your workplace or to the school or, or to, 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 to a gym and you sit? You don't ever check. You just sit down and you don't know who made that chair. You don't know if that chair will hold you up, but you have faith and you just plop down. Uh, this really came to my mind recently. I, 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 on the vehicle, uh, my, my, I had to get my tires changed on my vehicle. So the tires got, got changed. And you know what I did? I got in the vehicle after paying and just drove 70 miles an hour. I never once checked the tires to see if they were on good. I never checked the nuts and the bolts and said, did they really? I don't know that man. I don't even know his last name. I don't know where he lives. I don't know where he got his credentials. I don't know if he had a good day or a bad day. They said they put my tire, but I don't know. But I got in, drove 70 miles an hour by faith. Thank the Lord my tires didn't fly off. Praise the Lord. But I'm just saying, we go through life and we do a lot of things by faith. And yet when it comes to our heavenly Father, we trust people we don't know. And it comes to our Heavenly Father, who has a wonderful track record. We don't trust him to provide and take care of us. And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. If I would take care of the lesser, surely I'd take care of the greater.
There's a third thing I want you to see. There's a third thing, and that is this. Work on your heart. Work on your heart. Work, don't worry, because worry, don't work. Luke chapter 12 and verse 29, Jesus goes on to say, And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't make that the focus of your life, the pursuit of money and stuff and things. Do not worry about it. Verse 34, the pagan world, those who don't even know the Lord, runs after they pursue it. It's the focal point of their life, runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. And Jesus says, don't, do, don't set your heart on money. In other words, don't let money have your heart. Don't let stuff have your heart. Listen, when something has your heart, you'll do foolish things for it. When it has your heart. I think about my, my wife Tiffany when we were dating. And we were, when we were dating, we were going out. We were just, we were friends and been on several dates. And, and I didn't want to hold her hand in public. I didn't want to, you know, I just said we were friends. Matter of fact, some of the guys on the football team would ask me, Hey, Herbert, are you dating Tiffany? I said, no, we're just friends. We're just friends. As a matter of fact, they, some of the guys, some of you will know this old song. They start singing this to me. You say she's just a friend. You say she's just, oh, baby, you. I'm going old school on you right there. But they would say that to me. But I was like, yeah, we're just friends. We're just, we're just friends. Because, you know, she didn't have my heart. But now Tiffany has my heart. Fifteen years of marriage in December, and I love her with all my heart. I don't have a front anymore. I don't go, she's just my friend. I go, no, that's my woman. I love her. She has my heart. I want to hold hands with her in public, kiss her in public. I, I love, I, listen, I confess, I'm whooped. You know, back in the day, you know, you were hardcore. You're like, I'm not whooped. She don't got me like that. I'm not whooped. She don't got to know my, no, 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 I'm whooped. Like, I'm whooped. I will do foolish. I will act stupid for my woman. I'm whooped. Because you do stupid things when you're in love. Like when I first married Tiffany, I put a cruise and new furniture on a credit card. Stupid. But I was whooped. <laughs> Foolish whooped. And Jesus says, don't set your heart on money. Don't fall in love with money. Don't let it have your heart because you'll do foolish stuff. Like overspend. Like get in credit card debt. Like spend more than you make. You'll start lying and cheating for, for money. You'll start working like crazy for money and neglecting your family. You do crazy stuff when you fall in love and something gets your heart. And Jesus says, don't let money have your heart because you'll do foolish stuff. The writer of Psalms says this in Psalms 119 and verse 36. Turn my heart toward your statues and not toward selfish gain. Don't let selfish gain and stuff have my heart because all it's going to do is bring worry in my life. Then he goes on to say verse 37, and I meditated on this verse this week. He says, turn my eyes away from worthless things. All these are the things that I'm, I'm trusting in and chasing after money and stuff, and I'm making that the pursuit of my life when in reality it's worthless. The car, the, the house, the stuff is worthless. The car is worthless in comparison to you, Jesus. I don't want that to have my heart. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. 
God, don't let my heart fall in love with money. Money is a great tool, but it's a horrible lover. And it will cause you to do foolish things if it gets your heart. Work on your heart. Number four is this, number four is this, number four is this. Work on your worship. Work on your worship. Work, don't worry, because worry don't work. Jesus goes on to say in Luke chapter 12 and verse 31, but seek his kingdom, but seek first, he said, the kingdom of God. Seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says, seek God first with your finances. Worship God with your finances. Listen, when you and I tithe and give offerings to God, it's worship. He goes on to say in verse 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted where, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. In verse 34, it's the wild verse. It's just wow. It's just for where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. And Jesus teaches us a very powerful principle. Your heart follows your treasure. Wherever you're putting your treasure, that's where your heart is. You can't say God has your heart if he doesn't have your treasure. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, if you will seek God first, if you will prioritize your financial life around God, if you will worship God with your finances, all these other things you're chasing after will be added to you as well. And there was a man recently in our church who reprioritized his financial life around God. And he began to worship God with his finances. And literally Darren's testimony touches my heart. Check out his journey of worshiping God with his resources. Check this out. Food and, and, and all of that stuff can fill certain voids. You know, your addictions, they, they can fill certain voids. But it's like a hole in your heart that only God can fill. And it was like that hole was just steady empty. And I tried to do things to try to substitute that, but it just wasn't quite good enough. And I was lost. So I started asking my friends, you know, um, okay, what churches are you going to? And one of my friends, he said, People's Church, you know, and, uh, First, I was a bit hesitant because of the name. I was so used to these traditional names. And uh, so that kind of turned me off. But then he was like, hey, man, they got some nice-looking women there. So I was like, all right, I'm sold. So the following week, I, I came, and uh, I brought my daughter. And um, honestly, cause it wasn't what I was used to, so I didn't see myself coming back. But uh, so I went home, and then the next Sunday, my daughter woke me up, she's like, Daddy, we gotta go, we have to go to church. And like, she was singing this song, it was like, Hosanna, ho, ho, Hosanna. And I'm like, who is Hosanna? I don't, I don't know who Hosanna is. So um, I kind of put two and two together and realized she was talking about people's church. So I came and I actually gave it a chance. I listened and I got something out of it. One day I was commuting back to Stillwater. Some just started across the street, spun out, and I fishtail into a pit. I landed in this creek. And my car flipped like three or four times. The water was coming up. I'm in this water, and just, you know, I was like, I guess, I guess this is it. And I got enough strength to open the door. 
when I finally get out of the creek, and there was this marquee. And on the marquee, it read, uh, follow me. And so I just fell down, and I broke down, and I was like, okay, God, I hear you. I'm going to do better. A week, week later or so, uh, I got uh, a fine from the state of Oklahoma for all the property damage. And then not only that, it's like tuition increased, my rent increased, child support started. It was like all of this stuff was just happening. And so from that point, I was like, God, it's in your hands. So I finally got up the nerve. I started going back to church again. And uh, when I got to church, you know, a week or two later, they did uh, a series. It was called Inspired. And in this series, you know, Pastor was talking about tithing, but he was, like, really passionate about it. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, all this happened, I don't believe this guy, but, you know, I'm going to try and see what happened. I bet nothing happened. Did it the first time, nothing happened. I was like, nothing's going to happen. It's all right. Something said, keep giving. But then I, then I just was like, you know what? He said he likes a, a cheer for giving. And I promise you, it wasn't even a week later, I get a, uh, a phone call saying that, hey, we want to award you with a fellowship. Now, with this fellowship, it covers your tuitions, book, and fees. But not only that, it gives you a stipend of $2,000. And we want to give you health insurance, too. given my 10% of my earning because I felt, I was like, you know, you put all this responsibility on me. I need my money. You know, I need the money. But I realized from people's church that it wasn't my money. It's God's money. You know, he's put me in this position to be able to be a blessing to others. So I still have to give back, you know, give 10% of what I'm earning. Don't give God the remainder. That's what I was doing. You know, I was giving whatever was left over. He was like, give God what you own first and see what will happen. And he was right. He was right. That's awesome, isn't it, man? I love to hear people's journey. There are, there are two things we learned from that. Two things we learned from that video. Number one, we got some fine women at People's Church. Okay, so ladies, feel good. I'm just, that's what my brother said now. All right, so it's uh, amazing what gets people to church. That's why we do the Christmas series, Praise the Lord. And the second thing we learn is that when we worship God, we seek first the kingdom of God. All these other things that we're trying to chase after, they're added to us as well. I'll leave you with two quotes. Worship your way through your problem. Don't worry your way through it. Worship your way. Would you start worshiping? Would you start seeking God first? Would you start worshiping God with your finances, the 10, 10, 80? Say, God, I'm going to worship you. Because um, right now, I mean, you're wearing your way through your problems. Quit wearing your way through your problems and start worshiping your way through your problems. There's a second quote I want to leave you with, and that is this. When worship goes up, worry goes down. When worship goes up, God, I worship you. I magnify you. I seek you first, not just with my mouth, but with my resources. Because Jesus knew one of the areas that we would deal with stress and worry about the most is the area of finances. He says, here's what I want you to do. Because I know this area is going to trip you up and mess you up and cause you to freak out, pull your hair out, worry, stress out. Here's what I want you to do. Seek first my kingdom. Worship me. Give me the first 10%. Honor me. And when worship goes up, worry goes down. Ask Darren, God's faith.
Maybe you're a new believer. You're like, Pastor, I don't know about this. Worshiping God first. I want to challenge you to the 90-day tithe challenge. Grab the three-month tithe challenge card in the back of your seat pocket. Fill it out today. And just test God. If you say God hasn't been faithful, worry hasn't went down. As you sought first the kingdom of God, God wasn't faithful to you. At the end of 90 days, just call the office. We'll refund your money. Because here's what we're confident of. We seek first the kingdom of God. We really put God first. He takes care of us. He's a lovingly heaven, loving heavenly father. If he cares about the lesser, surely he cares about it.